time, okay? I would ask, uh, if you will, please, to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 11. And find your place in Hebrews chapter number 11. And then also find your place this morning in Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 3. Hebrews chapter number 11. And Romans chapter number 3. find your place, please stand with us for the reading and reverence of the word of God this morning. All right, Hebrews chapter number 11, starting in uh, verse number 11, the Bible said through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive Seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky in which a multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Now, Romans chapter number 3, verses number 1, uh, 2, and 3. The Bible said, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief Make the faith of God without effect. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you uh, one more time for the privilege to open the word of God and to read from the Holy Scriptures. And we ask now, God, that you'd help us for just a little while as we endeavor to bring the thought that you've placed upon our heart as we are looking at these Scriptures, Lord, expositionally and trying to draw out of them what it is that you have to say to your people. We'll be careful, Father, to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, uh, it's been stated many times, and as of course you know, we've been looking at the revelation of the faith of these individuals that we find in this great hall of faith. There is a thing that we notice about this book uh, of Hebrews um, from the writer to the, the Jew, if you will, that had been saved, was the Jew was struggling with grace. Uh, and I want you to notice, and we're going to see this, Now, I don't know, you, probably, you may know this, you may not, but we're going to try to draw this out of scripture. The Jew, although they were struggling with grace, they had had the gospel before anyone else ever did. And I want to explain that to you if the Lord would be my helper. And uh, my, my heart, and maybe I'm giving this to you before I ever start really getting into the, into the meat of this, but I do want you to understand something. Uh, if the Jew had really considered what they had seen in light of Scripture, in context and in, in typology and in what the Lord, because you understand that we've done found out that the Lord is showing us some things through that of an allegory. 
uh, the difference between uh, Ishmael, if you will, uh, and, uh, and Hagar, rather, excuse me, Hagar and, and Sarah, uh, and their offspring being that of Ishmael and Isaac. We've seen two covenants there, as we looked at last week, and one covenant was that of the law, and one covenant was that of grace. And so I want us to understand something. The life of Abraham is showing and teaching us something. Now, the Jew always liked to go back to Moses and Abraham. You find that in the Word of God, how they consistently would draw out uh, Abraham, Father Abraham or that of Moses. And, uh, and I want you to know, of course, we know Abraham was before the law was instituted. And I want you to see that there's some things that we find that happen and, and are shown before the law was instituted. Now we know and have taught and will probably bring up again and remind you that the Bible teaches us that the law was our schoolmaster. Specifically to the, to the Jew, all right, or to the, the child of God, or the, the children of God rather, is the Israelites. And uh, it showed them something. Number one, it showed them they, they could not meet the standard. And you know as well as I do, if anybody's ever going to get saved by the grace of God, they first have to understand that they don't meet up to God's expectation. If you think that you meet up to God's expectation, and can I say to you, there's a crowd of people today that think that they do. That they are hellward bound. So God must first reveal to them that they are not everything that they think they're cracked up to be. And, uh, and sometimes I find that we have a problem in preaching. Uh, that way sometimes. Sometimes we, we fail to preach the whole counsel of God and fail to show people that they're sinners in need of a Savior. And uh, the feel-good messages feel good, but if you and I live on sugar our whole life, we'll die of diabetes, amen? we got to have some of the other stuff too, some of the nutritional things of the Word of God. And I'm glad that there's some sweet things we find in the Scripture, but you can't live on all that, amen? And so having said all that, this, this very... Uh, Interesting thing we find here in Romans chapter number 3 is Paul says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Now what have we found out in Hebrews chapter number 11 thus far? We've drawn out that of the blood. And uh, we've drawn out this, that's through the life and the faith of Abel we see the blood. And then through that of Enoch we see the uh, rapture if you will. And then through Moses we see grace. And then Abraham, we studied on him. And, and although there's more types than just one, we did see that, it, that repentance was something that was revealed through his faith. Now it's interesting because the Jew was not oblivious to that of the blood. They of all people would understand about the blood sacrifice, no doubt. And uh, there's no doubt that, that they uh, had probably a closer understanding to the blood than anyone else would have. But they didn't have the whole picture. And so while we can't get away from the blood, we have to add some things in there doctrinally to get the whole picture. This is a people that's struggling with trying to add works to grace. And so we see a revelation of some things down through this chapter. But when we get to Abraham and Sarah, we take a hard turn and we start shocking the Jew, if you will, with some doctrinal teachings. Now look, if you will. The Bible said, what advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way. Chiefly, that means above all things else, because that unto them were committed the what? The oracles 
of God. Now I want to give you the definition of oracle. Because uh, we look at the, uh, the word oracle and we think, well, that is, the, that, is the, that is the word of God. True, but it's more than just the word of God. Oracle, by definition of the word, among Christians, oracles in the plural denote, and this is out of Webster's 1828 dictionary, in plural denotes the communications. Notice this. The revelations or messages delivered by God to prophets. In this sense, it is rarely used in singular, but we say the oracles of God, divine oracles, meaning scriptures, when it's used in the plural sense. But the actual uh, literal definition of oracles in Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary is the place where the answers are given. Now let me ask you a question tonight, or this morning. Where do you go to find the answers to your problems? Where do you go to find the answers to the issues that you run into in life? Now, you may, you may not uh, go to the Bible all the time, but I assure you when you finally reach the end of the road, that's where you wind up turning to. Because you understand that there's nobody else or anything else that can help you. And so when you reach the end of your road, you go back to the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, because the Scriptures deal with things and help you with things that most people know nothing about. And so while we look at oracles in the plural sense as being divine, uh, 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 meaning scriptures or, or a uh, revelation or communications or messages delivered by God uh, to the prophets, we understand this is the place where the answers are given. But here's what's amazing to me because Peter, uh, 1 Peter 4 and 11 says, If any man speak, Brother Marvin, he said, let him speak as the oracles of God. So can I say it's not just that we say something about God or His book, but it's that we help some people with some answers. And if we're going to speak, we're going to need to know something about God's Word and how to apply God's Word because the issue is not God's Word. It's the application that we make with it sometimes. So if Brother, Brother Shane were to have a problem in his life, or Brother Marvin was to have a problem in, their life, in his life that comes up that's causing them distress, and they ring me up on the phone or they drop by the house to talk to me and I just give them some generic scripture that don't amount to a hill of beans. That's not helping them in their time of trouble. Listen, preaching Psalms 23 to a, uh, in a funeral home in front of a casket that's got somebody laying in it that never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior is not applying the oracles of God. That is misapplying the scriptures and trying to get somebody into heaven that we know isn't there today, friend. Or tell the congregation that's sitting there uh, that their loved one's in heaven when really they're in eternal damnation. That's misapplying the scriptures. That's not giving someone the oracles of God. We're to, we're to take the word of God, help someone apply it, that they might have the answers they need to their problems. So you and I need to know something about God's word. When we preach, listen, when we counsel, when we talk, when we discuss, when we dialogue, we need to be using God's word here to try to find the answers to our problems. Now, what's interesting, you say, boy, you're, what's that got to do with this? Well, Paul's saying here, what advantage hath the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? With much every way, chiefly because that under them were committed what? Not, not just the scriptures. Notice this. Not just the scriptures, but the oracles of God. What he's saying here to the Jew is you had the answers. You were given the answers. 
Now, let me tell you something. You ever been given the answers before you got the test? This is what's interesting right here. The Jew is what? Struggling. The Gentile really is not having problems, Brother Marvin, uh, taking grace and applying it. They're looking at grace and they're thankful for grace. Those Gentiles that accepted what the Lord done. But it's the Jew that's, that's struggling with this matter of the law in relation to that of grace. But what's interesting is, is Paul's writing here in Romans 3 that the Jew had the answers all along. And it's just been until recently that the Gentiles understood what the Lord done for them through that of the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what's the Jew always hung up on? The law. But here's what's, what I find so, so interesting. We find here in Galatians 3.8, turn there with me. I do not want you to miss this. Galatians chapter number 3. I'll get there in just a second. Galatians chapter number 3. And the Bible says here in verse number 6, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Did you catch that this morning? The Bible plainly tells us Paul has written to the churches in the Galatian region and said to them that the gospel had been preached unto Abraham. Now you better be careful this morning in getting caught up in some of the things that are being taught in today's age about how the old patriarchs found themselves in paradise. They got there because of one reason and one reason only. They had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now understand Jesus hadn't died and he hadn't gone to Calvary at, at the time of Abraham. But Abraham was believing the things that God was revealing unto him. Now the oracles is not just scripture but it's understanding the scripture. And can I say to you, the Jews being told in Romans chapter number 3 that you've not only been given the scripture, you've been given the answers if you just look and listen. And Abraham was getting the answers to some things that he didn't understand, but it was coming a little bit at a time. What is the gospel this morning? Now we emphasize and talk about the gospel. If folk are going to get saved, they're going to have to have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the gospel encompasses some things. The Gospels is the, and this is also in your uh, 1828 Noel Webster's Dictionary, but Gospel is the history of the birth, life, actions, death, resurrection, ascension, and doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a revelation of the grace of God to fallen man uh, through a mediator, including the character actions and doctrine of Christ with the whole scheme of salvation as revealed by Christ and his apostles. That's the gospel. Now we look at it historically in, 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 in retrospect. We look behind us at the cross of Calvary. Jesus has already died. But Abraham was looking forward to the cross of Calvary. Now, you, I understand when Jesus, I mean, when, when Abraham, excuse me, was called out of the earth, the Chaldees, and made this promise. He did not understand everything. But he was going to learn it throughout 
his life as he was living by faith. And if the Jew had considered the life of Abraham, although they may not have been able to put all the pieces together, after Jesus Christ had died, and after the apostles were preaching and the disciples were preaching the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified, they always wanted to go back to the, to, the, to the Pentateuch and make argument. But if they'd have been willing to listen to what God's word had had to say, they could have seen that Jesus was not someone that come in and changed the doctrines. What he'd done was he did not do away with this law that they were looking at. He simply fulfilled it. And before the law ever was, and before the law was ever shown or, or a shadow of the law ever presented, we see Jesus Christ and him crucified in the life of Abraham. And the life of Abraham, the gospel, was preached unto him. It always was the gospel, is the gospel, and always will be the gospel. And you never need to steer far from or get far away from the gospel and the, and the blood and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so having said that, the, the, the Bible does more than tell us about the death of Christ. The Bible emphasizes it here in Hebrews chapter number 11, the birth of Christ. Now we're going to see that in type by Isaac's life, Okay. And we understand here that, uh, let me get back over here to Hebrews uh, chapter number 11. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive. Seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. What is this a picture of? Now I'll back up what I said last Sunday if you'll give me time and, and, and the Lord would help us. Uh, to explain to you why I see a type of the church in that of Sarah. Because we're going to look at, at Abraham and his life, not only in a literal sense, but in a spiritual sense as well. But give me time. But let me say to you, the primary, the primary typology, the primary type that we see in Hebrews chapter number 11 is Sarah and the, the uh, conceiving Isaac, which is a type of Christ, which we will get into a little bit later but we see a picture of the supernatural birth and right here you understand that what's fixing to take place in the conception of Sarah conceiving that of Isaac was supernatural it wasn't even and we look at we look at birth and we look at reproduction as a natural thing, but it's something that God has instituted and God has allowed, right? A baby being born is a miracle. You understand that? Getting born the first time is a miracle. Getting born the second time is a miracle. And getting born the second time is no more of a miracle than the first one. We just fail to see it because we're used to the same old thing. But birth is something that's supernatural. It, or excuse me, birth is something that's miraculous. But this birth was more than just miraculous in a natural sense. It got supernatural. It by design happened outside of the design of God's natural way of doing things. So having said that, we're seeing here not only the blood. We're not only seeing rapture. We're not only seeing grace. We're not only seeing repentance. But now, who are we talking to here in Hebrews 11? The Jew who is going apostate that's trying to fit in to the, that of grace, fit the law back in. And right here what we're seeing is they know something about the blood. 
They, they even know something about repentance, Brother Marvin. But right now, they're getting to look at grace and scratch their head. They, they know something about grace, but they're trying to mix the two. But now what happens is we get into this supernatural birth. What, can I ask you what, what follows the supernatural birth? What's this a picture of? This is a picture of the virgin birth that we find in the Gospels. The Gospels. The four Gospels of the New Testament. Jesus, we understand, was born of a virgin. Made under what? The law. To redeem them that are under the law that they might receive the what? The adoption. Now Ishmael wasn't a son of Abraham by the promise. But can I say to you that we're going to look at this and see in just a little while that although you might not have been uh, uh, the fathers, you could be. Because there were some things that were taken into action that we might all be adopted into the family of God. So it's not so much how you start, praise God, it's how you finish. You might be born of a woman, but you can be born that second time because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... We understand that the conception of Isaac was supernatural. We see that Sarah's natural age was not conducive to conception. Well, now I thought this was a book about faith, and faith was supposed to be revealing something. Well, I want you to notice here that Genesis 18, 12, we see, and you don't have to turn there, but you can later if you'd like to, and you can now if you want to, but Genesis 18 and 12, we see that Sarah laughs within herself. She, but she kept her mouth shut. She laughed within herself. Now the Lord looks on the heart. You understand that, right? And so while outwardly nobody's seen her laugh at what God said, inwardly she laughed. But we find that she was a lady of great faith. Does that mean that she doubted the Lord? Well, if you'll recall, Mary had something to say when the angel of the Lord came to her and told her that she was going to conceive in her womb a man-child, and that man-child was going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, how can this be? seeing I know not a man. Now does that mean that, that Mary didn't believe God? It means that she questioned how could this be because it wasn't natural. What was fixing to happen? Was it something that followed the natural course of action? And Sarah laughs within herself because in herself she goes, how can this be? In my age I'm not able to conceive a child naturally. Undoubtedly though, she believed God how do we know that she believed God? Because God says something to Abraham. Because God sees her heart. We know that in uh, uh, Genesis 18 and 15, Sarah denied laughing. Why? Because she was afraid. Why was she afraid? Because she knew God was almighty and powerful. Almighty and all-powerful enough to drop her dead for laughing. He was almighty and powerful enough to allow her to conceive a son. And we find her in the great hall of faith, having had faith that the Lord would do as he promised. Sarah was a lady of faith. She didn't understand how it would be. She knew if it was, it wasn't because it was natural. And can I say, if you're saved to the grace of God, it won't be because of anything natural. It'll all be supernatural today, friend. But it is doable through that of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't that she could do anything. But it was that God can do everything. And we're saved today not because we can do anything, but because he can do everything. And we put our hope and faith and trust in him, knowing that we have to yield ourselves because we ain't able, but he is able. And I'm saved today not from one iota of what I've done, but all because of what he's done for me. All right? And so I want to say this. We see and we look 
And we see the revelation of the supernatural birth in this great hall of faith. Can I say the picture of her faith, the revelation of the faith of Sarah was the supernatural birth. And the writer of the book of Hebrews, as he's dealing with a Jew who's going apostate, who's fighting that of grace and trying to add law into that, is being, this is being revealed unto them for a purpose. Can I say to you, we cannot fail to preach the virgin birth. Now, I understand in the Baptist church we have two ordinances. We have the Lord's Supper and we have that of baptism. And I, I do want us to understand that we cannot overlook the birth of our Savior, but not only can we not overlook it, but it must be emphasized. Now, when we consider here uh, these ordinances that we find uh, in the Word of God, considering that of the Lord's Supper uh, and that of baptism, just because we're emphasized not to forget those things does not mean that we're not to emphasize these other things as well. And uh, so what I'm saying to you is, is, is we don't forget the other things. The Bible's not teaching us to forget the other things and only to remember the two ordinances. But what he's saying here is it says no matter what, don't you ever forget the two ordinances. But that does not mean that we don't emphasize the other things. And that's why at Christmas we emphasize the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. There would be no death if it had not been the birth. And can I say to you the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was taught to the Jew uh, through that of Abraham's life when the gospel was preached unto him uh, along with the death. That's what the gospel is today, friend. The gospel is not just the death. It's not just the new birth. You do understand today that that is what the ordinance of baptism is. It's a picture of the new birth. But it also, friend, when you do the gospel, emphasize that of the first birth. And we find that right here in Hebrews chapter number 11, which I thought was ironically fitting considering where we were at this year uh, in it being December and approaching that of, that of Christmas, okay? Why is it that the, new birth, or the, the, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ must be emphasized? Well, the death of Christ shows Jesus' love for us. You understand that. And when we take and consider the Lord's Supper, we are, we are remembering that. What are we remembering when we remember the, the, the take the Lord's Supper? The flesh and the, the blood, right? And uh, so what are, what are we considering here? The death of Christ shows Jesus' love for us, but the birth of Christ shows us God's love for us. And I want you to know here that God was the one that gave the law to that of Moses. But God never wanted the Jew to forget that he loved them. And he showed them a picture of the, of the virgin birth in the gospel that was preached to that of Abraham. All right, now we understand here that spiritually, when we got saved by the grace of God, the old creature passed away and, and, and the, uh, the old things are passed away and, and all things are become new. That's death and life right there. And so death and life shows us the Holy Spirit's love for us because he come and showed us that we were a sinner in need of a Savior and give us a way, if you will, to accept what Jesus had done for us and what God had done by giving his son. And so we see in Genesis 12, 1, that God promised to give posterity to Abraham when he called him out of the earth of the Chaldees. So when he calls him out and we find and we dealt with that of repentance where Abraham had to leave his family and, and leave the idol worship and turn towards God and go the direction of God, uh, that, that it was promised unto him some things. And we find here uh, that when he was called out of the earth, the Chaldees, he was promised to be given land and posterity. Pos posterity. 
What is that? That's a prophecy. That's a promise that was extended before it was given. Now you'll find Jesus in, in the Word of God was prophesied long before he ever came. Now, the Jew believes that Jesus died on the cross. But the Jew struggles with what? The virgin birth. The Jew struggles with the Messiah having come. I'm talking about today, the modern day Jew, where we're at today in 2021. Struggles with Jesus having come as the Messiah. So while we're looking for the second coming, they're still hung up on the first. That's why we preach Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. We want people to know he's already come and he's already left. And if you wait to see him come, you're going to mess up because you've waited to the second time instead of accepting him at the first coming. All right? So we see prophecy. 25 years before Isaac was born, he was prophesied about. That's amazing to me. And so it's emphasized that Isaac... Uh, is, is, is coming. We, we find that he's here, but it's not because of Abraham or Sarah, but it's because of God. Abraham was too old to, to have children, and Sarah was too old to have children. Now, the natural birth, we understand, takes three, but the supernatural birth only takes two. And can I say to you, my second birth didn't take three, it took two. And if you're saved by the grace of God, it wasn't because you and God and the preacher, or you and God and mama, or you and God and daddy, or you and God and brother or sister, but it was because you and God got together and talked about your need for a Savior. It's between you and the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean somebody couldn't help you and bring you the gospel and show you and, and stand by your side and pray with you, but if you got saved, you got saved because you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because you asked him in your heart, not because anybody else did. I can't save you today, friend. You have to ask the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so Jesus is told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's emphasizing uh, the, the first birth to be different of the second birth. And we understand that there's something that we're seeing here in this supernatural birth. It's a picture, a type, if you will, of the virgin birth that's coming in the future. Now, the virgin birth is what? It's missing, it's missing Joseph. All right, now. Isaiah 7 and 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Can I say to you, the virgin birth is a doctrine that we cannot let slip today. Because we have to emphasize the supernatural of what has been done, but not only what God did, but what was not present, and that was Joseph. All right, now, let me, let me give you Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 21 through 23. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, that sounds just like Isaiah seven fourteen, except for we find that the ending of Matthew 1 and 23, the Bible says, which being interpreted is God with us. Now God never needed us for nothing. And God satisfied himself according to Isaiah 53. He shall see the travail of his soul being that of Jesus and be satisfied. God satisfied God. Right? So here's what's interesting. 
If God didn't need man, then God did not need anything Joseph had to offer in order to get Jesus here made under the law to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So what's absent here? Well, the blood that's flowing through the veins of the Lord Jesus Christ isn't because Joseph helped give life to that of, of Jesus. But if you read your Bible, the New Testament teaches that it was God's blood that was flowing in the veins of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the, uh, the Jew having a problem with? It's not the blood. It's not repentance. They've been sacrificing for years. But they're having a problem with Jesus' blood. Some, they need to understand here and relate the fact that the sacrifices are not doing anything, but the sacrifice handled it all. So we find here that the virgin birth is a doctrine that must be emphasized. So we see here uh, in, in uh, Sarah's faith, and a Abraham understanding me, having the gospel preached unto him, we see the prophecy of, of Isaac. We see the purpose. What is the purpose of the gospel that was preached unto Abraham? That Jesus was born to die. And we see the plan of salvation here. Abel's, uh, we see the blood. Enoch, we see the rapture. Noah, we see grace. Abraham, we see repentance. But Sarah, being a picture of the covenant of grace, according to Galatians chapter number 4, shows us two things. Not just the church, although I'll deal with that later, but primarily the virgin birth. All right? Now, let me explain to you an interesting thing that, that just it boggles my mind. The descendants of Abraham couldn't be descendants of Abraham until they had the faith of Abraham. Well, what do you mean? Go with me to Galatians chapter number 4. I want to emphasize this to you so you can understand it. Galatians chapter 4. Actually, I need to be in Galatians chapter 3, I believe. Let me find my place here. All right. The Bible says here in verse number 6 again, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteous. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith. Notice this. How are we saved today? By grace through faith. Know ye therefore, verse 7 of Galatians 3, that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. In other words, he's likening a spiritual application here. That Abraham was going to be the father of many people. It was, he was going to be the father of God's chosen people. And while we do not replace Israel with the church or the church with Israel, and while they are separate, we see spiritually speaking that uh, the same are the children of Abraham. We're saved by grace through faith. We're, we're in, in type, if you will, to show the Jew a picture of something. We're the children of Abraham through faith. You understand that? And so in other words, what's interesting is Paul's making it known to the Jew, so to speak, that, that those who do not accept the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, plus nothing, minus nothing, that being of grace, okay, not of works, then they are no different than Ishmael. So while in reality you are an actual son of Abraham, a son of Jacob, all right, a son of Jacob, 
the children, the, the, the people of God. You are not in the church. You are not, you're not part of the body of Christ. You're not truly of Abraham unless you believe in Christ by faith and that of grace. So we look at Abraham and we look at Ishmael and we look at Isaac and we go, well, Ishmael was not of the promise. And he wasn't. Isaac was. That's given us an application that can be considered here. That Hagar was that uh, of the covenant of the law and, and Sarah was that uh, picture of the covenant of grace. But he's saying here that you're not really a son of Abraham even if you're of Jacob unless you accept me as your personal Lord and Savior by grace through faith. And so what I'm wanting you to understand is although Ishmael wasn't of the promise, you could have been a descendant of Jacob and still find yourself in hell if you don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ. We're finding a picture of the gospel here before the law is ever instituted. It's an amazing thing. And so he's telling him they're nothing more than Ishmaelites when he was speaking to the churches in the Galatian regions if you do not accept Jesus Christ by grace or by faith, uh, saved by grace through faith. Just because you're born of Abraham didn't make you his. Paul is telling the descendants of Abraham, just because you're of the lineage of Jacob doesn't make you Abraham's in this type. So we understand here that blood is the carrier of life-sustaining property, that being that of oxygen, right? The blood here, Jesus' blood, he's saying here, you're going to have to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed at Calvary, if you want to call yourself Abraham's. Now, I find all that to be interesting, and let me just pause for just a moment here as I'm trying to wind down and, and, and get towards closing here. But Genesis 17 and 15, the Bible said, And God said unto Abraham, Is for Sarah thy wife. Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. Genesis 17, 16, And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. So you see here that, that uh, there's, a, there's a literal sense of who Abraham was, that of being the father of, of God's people through the lineage of Jacob, his descendant. I, you know, you have Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and, and on down. Then you have the, the Arab nations that come from Ishmael. That's a literal picture. But spiritually speaking, if we could say today that, that, that we're of Abraham because we've been saved by the marvelous grace of God. And I am not a, I'm not an Israelite. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. You know what that's called? Being engrafted. It's called being adopted. That's what Jesus came for. He was more of a woman made under the law to redeem them that are under the law that they might receive the adoption of sons. Why would a, why, who's that for? Who's made under the law? The Israelite. Why would the Israelite need to be adopted into the family of God? They were God's people. Because they were not Jesus's. They were not going to heaven. They were not saved by his marvelous grace. That's why we're understanding they were no more than an than a Ishmaelite themselves, spiritually Amen. speaking. And spiritually speaking today, I am of the lineage of Abraham because of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so can I say to you that all of God's chosen people in the world can't say they're Abrahams until they are accepting what Jesus Christ done for them. But I, who was born a Gentile, have been engrafted into the family of God because I accepted Jesus Christ, the virgin birth, the blood that was shed, and I'll be raptured someday because of grace. That's why all these things that we're seeing in this uh, chapter, in Hebrews chapter number 11, is emphasizing these things because you can't just take one of them. You have to take all of them. If you're going to take the blood, and you're going to take the rapture, you're going to have to take repentance, you're going to have to take grace. You're going to have to take the virgin birth. Can I say, you know what comes after the virgin birth? The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was born that he might die. So you're going to have to take Jesus Christ and him crucified. And all these things have to be taken in order for you to be saved by the grace of God. Now, I understand when I got saved, I didn't know everything. But I did trust the Lord. And I didn't distrust anything. And when you distrust, and that's what's happening with these Jews here. They're, not, they're having a hard time trusting in the right things because they're trying to put themselves back under the law. But before the law was, was the gospel. And I would say to you today, we are not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. And that is why we see that as this writer is talking to the Jew who is going apostate, that they cannot accept all these things minus Jesus Christ being born of a virgin and him being crucified on old rugged Calvary. I thank the Lord for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this Christmas, I thank the Lord for his birth because had he not come, he would not have died. And had he not died, he would not have resurrected. And had he would not have resurrected, he would not have ascended to the Father. And can I say the Holy Spirit of God would not come to where I was, convicted me of my sin, and showed me my need for salvation. We see the plan of salvation right here in the life of Abraham. The gospel was preached. The plan of salvation. All these things were there. That being the birth. And we're going to look at this and we will get into this deeper when we look at that of Isaac. But we do see the gospel portraying that of the birth, the life, the actions, the death, the resurrection, ascension, and doctrines of Jesus Christ. Everything, listen to me this morning, I'm done. Everything goes back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find that right here in the book of Genesis, still yet again, all of the fundamental doctrinal truths that are necessary for you and I to have salvation are found in the first book of the Bible written by the hands of Moses who the Jew, according to Romans chapter number 3, had the privilege of having the gospel before the law was ever given. And if they had been looking at this right and contextually, they would have discovered Jesus didn't come to do away with what they believed. He'd come to fulfill it and add to what he showed them before it was ever instituted. Aren't you glad for grace? Aren't you glad for Jesus Christ? I'm thankful this morning. This gets complicated, but it's still simple. You know why? Because it all points to him. It's simple. My salvation is simple because I point my, I'm looking and pointed towards that of the one who died for me. God loved me, and he gave us his son. Thank God for Christmas. Then we find that this Easter we'll celebrate the death 
uh, and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because he loved us. And God loved me and I can't explain that. And Jesus loved me and I can't explain that. I can explain to you that God did love me, Jesus loved me, but I can never tell you why he did. But he did. And I thank the Lord for that. And while I get caught up sometimes in things that don't matter, we need to get caught up every once in a while and remember that we were worthless and on our way to hell. And God sent his son to die for you and me. And all we had to do was simply trust him. Thank God for salvation. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Heavenly Father.